0: Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Well, Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Vonda Page. She is the founder at Radical Change, LLC. Vonda, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing amazing, Neil. How about you?
0: I'm excited because you have so much energy around you that gives me energy. So it's just a great place to be. Let's kick it off with our capture question to figure out, make sure that you are real life human talking to us. Your question, Vonda, is what is your go-to karaoke song?
1: So I love karaoke. Um, if anybody ever invites me to do karaoke, sign me up. I am right there. Yes. Um, I have three karaoke go-to songs. So it usually just depends as long as they have it. Um, living on a prayer, um, right. is, is one love shack by the B 52s, um, is one. And then, you know, um, either back in black or, right. um, you know, something like that.
0: Nice. You have a quite a wide variety of styles that you're pulling in from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love all types of music. I grew up, um, listening to, um, classic rock. Classic R and B, you know, um, and then I was a teenager when rap was invented and all of that. So I just I love music. So give me some karaoke anytime.
0: (laughs) Awesome. I just we do some with our neighbors every once in a while. Last time my favorite song was "Roll with the Changes" R.E.O. Speedwagon. Uh huh. That was a hit. That worked well. So
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. And and the thing is for me too because I really like I like to get into it. It depends on how my throat is feeling as yeah. to what song I'm going to take. Because if if you can't really hit it's oh, true. on on living on We're a prayer,
0: then, you,
1: you know what I'm saying? You got to yeah. be, oh, so yeah, that's, a, that's it.
0: <laughs> Feel it. All right. You're certified. You're human. You pass. All right. Cool. Well, tell us a little bit about Radical Change, how to get started. What do you do?
1: Yeah. So um, I founded Radical Change LLC um, in July, officially in July of 2020. And the LLC is actually um, a play on the words leaders learn change because mm-hmm. radical change is basically a disruptive learning, coaching and advisory and tech startup. And what I'm really focused on is just a relentless pursuit around building, um, you know, greater ecosystems of change. Uh, equity and innovation. And so when I think about change, and the only way for it to really come about is people have to learn how to lead change. And I believe that anyone can learn to lead change in their life, whether you're talking about personal changes, you know, professional changes, or whether you're talking about an overall change effort, right, that is going to, um, that's going to take a lot of energy, right, and and, and effort. So when I thought about my career, right, as an organizational change manager and um, technology adoption specialist, and I thought about you know what is the thing that really hampers change from um, from occurring, and it all boils down, Neil, to as the leader of the change, as the person who's responsible and accountable for actually seeing the change through. You have to have certain skills and strategies, and it's mm-hmm. really about the strategy of learning change itself. And so um, that's the basis and how I got it started.
0: Well, tell people a little bit about your background too, because you're coming out this with a lot of technology experience. So bring us up to speed on where you've been.
1: Oh, sure. So I like to tell people I'm old school (laughs) technologist because I really I started in um, as a technologist in 1984, which sounds so crazy. But my first job, like my actual first job, um, official job was as a uh, office. It started off as an office assistant at an insurance company. And on the second day or third day on the job, a fax machine was delivered. Mm-hmm. And it was my job to figure out how to use the fax machine after the um, uh, the person who delivered it set it up. It was my job to figure out how to use the fax machine, train everybody in the office how to use the fax machine, and then actually use the fax machine to help our customers send faxes. Because prior to that, we were doing... Um, telegrams and things like that and helping people with what we call um, snail mail now or postal mail. What
0: is this telegram you speak of, Vonda? I don't understand.
1: <laughs> so a telegram um, was a way <laughs> that people would for
0: send, all kids
1: Right For all the kids For all the kids, a telegram was uh, is kind of like a cross between a phone call and a mail.
0: Telegrams are the first text messages, right? Right,
1: right, right. That was the real and, thing. Right. And so, you know, um, it it just super, it started really early, right? And you can look at a fax machine as being the first, you know, email, right? Yeah. Um, And then I worked in other early technologies, too, such as electric data interchange and other things like that. But really, I began my career learning how to use new technology, teaching people how to use that technology. And then the organizational change piece comes in is where... When you get new technology, you have to look at how it affects people as well as the processes. And then you have to build in systems or structures or other resources so that things can move smoothly. So it all factors into you're looking at what is the impact, right, of technology on people and processes. And my job has always been how do I help people adopt it? And use it in a sustainable way, improve later, but without having a negative impact on the everyday way you do your job or the everyday way that the customer interacts and experiences it. So from, you know, showing people how to use a fax machine. Right. And using a fax machine to send important messages back and forth to then, you know, email. Right. And then working on cloud technologies and all of that throughout that entire process. Right. Throughout my entire career in all of those different aspects, Neil, I have helped leaders understand what they need to do to help their organizations move through change without it having a negative impact. So it's really bringing together technology experts, business leaders, people to whom the change is going to impact or affect, right? And looking at all of those things together to try to ensure a smooth transition. So when I think about, right, why I started the company and and how that plays itself out is, I really wanna help leaders understand the criticality of their role and give them the skills specifically so that they can drive change as necessary so that it just doesn't have to suck in the process.
0: So let's break this down because I think everyone that I know that's in this world of trying to build a new digital workplace is, is thinking about, oh man, do we have the right tools in place right now? What do we need to add in today? What do we need to add in next year? What, what's coming down the road? So there's no one who's immune from thinking about technology and how their need to implement it and adopt it. And so change is just going to be a constant as it comes through in the next five years. Yep. But like you said, it seems like there's all sorts of negative reactions people can have, whether or not they just kind of stonewall the technology and says, nope, not using that. Whether they feel like they get steamrolled and just said, no, yes, you are using this or you can leave the company type thing. So it, how do you kind of get around those negative? Give us a, a nice Happy story of how companies can actually include people, everyone that's going to be involved in to build this change.
1: Yeah, and you're spot on with it because it's so funny. I always I say people um, people hate change, but they love innovation, right? Mm, and because yeah. it's really about the way people think about things and about it starts at how we frame up things in our in our thinking. And so I um, have taken the word bias. And I've kind of changed it um, to a specific acronym to help people understand why we have a hard time with change and why we have a hard time whether we're talking about leading a change, right? Like, uh, you know, digital transformations and, and, and you know, looking at different ways to implement machine learning versus, you know, somebody saying, yeah, I'm gun ho and I'm all the way, you know, want something to happen. It's really about our bias. So I break bias down, B-I-A-S, as number one, our beliefs, right? So the, our beliefs that we've built and formed really um, inform, Right, our, our our thinking. So whether we're talking about how we approach change or other things, right, our beliefs are are part of what goes into that. The I, right, I say, is our intentions, and 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 what the. The, the impacts of those intentions are. So, you know, we may say, you know, I, I, we all come to work every day to do a great job. Nobody says, oh, I'm going to go in and be a slacker today and, and be terrible, right? So we have a, a good intention. But there may be other things that come up um, and, and, and our, our, our beliefs uh, affect right? Um, mm-hmm. How we might go about that, right? So we have our beliefs and we have our intentions. And then um, the A, I, I say A is our attitudes, right? So it's the attitudes that we have about the situation, about the person, about the experience. And our attitudes are then reflected in our actions, right? And the things that we do. Then I say the S bias is our self-view, right? And the way that we show up in the world. So if we look at our beliefs, our intentions, our um, attitudes, and our self-view, that is what I believe is really at the core of how we think about and understand change. So my first, uh, you know, kind of piece of advice as I'm helping people to understand how to even open up a mindset, right? Um, To be able to think about change in a positive way is examining your own biases, right? As well as the bias associated with whatever the change is that you're trying to undergo. So it really starts at like taking a a good look, right? Then it really goes to, okay, if I'm trying to um, implement a change, I need to make sure some things are in place to guarantee or better guarantee that I'm going to have good results. So mm-hmm. I just call that the seven certainties of change. And so i talk about it in my TED talk and, you know, in, in, in some of the um, conversations that I have with people. But Neil, I've really learned over the last 30 something years that when these seven C's are in place, it does make change easier. So that first C that I talk about is all around the culture in which you're trying to implement a change. What does that look like? You know, when we think about some of the, um, the 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 biggest and best companies out here, you think, um, you know, how companies have acronyms or people use a company name as a verb. Right. Mm. That is things that point to the type of culture that you have, because you have to be in a culture that people are all, um, you know, aligned. Right. And, and thinking the same way and where leaders are actually walking the talk as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to implement something. They're actually involved. Involved, and they're actually serving as advocates and activists and communicators for the change. So having that culture is the first piece. Then the second C I talk about is really around having a strong coalition, a coalition of people who are in alignment, right, and agree around what needs to happen. Now, some of those people might be resistors, right, or detractors that are not 100% on board, but it's your job, right, as a leader of that change to bring those people aboard because if you really think about any significant changes that have happened over time, They all take a coalition of people working together. Not one person makes something happen, right? Martin Luther King, you know, didn't uh, get civil rights done right by itself, right? right? You know, you think of anything, it just doesn't happen with one person. So you have to have a strong coalition of people working together. Then you have to make sure that within that structure, so going back to the um, insurance company that I worked for, that we all have the capacity to do the work when the time is necessary. So I was the brand new kid on the block, right? Brand new to come into the office. Well, I had time to learn how to use the fax machine, to troubleshoot it, and to teach people how to use it. If I had come in, if I hadn't come in um, to to work and they got a new fax machine, well, everybody else was already heads down doing work every day. There's no way we would have had the opportunity to learn how to use it and then how to implement it or integrate it into our other work processes.
0: Yeah, I think about that even with companies now when they're trying to adopt new technologies, like do they have somebody who's just gonna sit there and learn this tool and like understand it or is everyone so busy that no one really becomes an expert in it, right?
1: Absolutely. So that's why you have to measure all of those things. And you look at, you know, you know, you know how um, even, for example, at certain times of a month, right, different companies, especially companies that do things like finance or billing, where everybody is heads down trying to get a certain, you know, piece of work out the door or an urgent product project or an outage of some sort. Right. Or something goes down everybody is focused. So if you don't really have the capacity, the space, the time, the resources and the bandwidth, then you're going to struggle with it even more, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and then the other piece is you really need to make sure that the competence is in place, right? So that you as the leader who's leading the change, that you know, you feel competent and and know that you have the skills and 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 um experiences that are gonna help you with that, but then also that you have competent people and systems in place. So, you know, if you think about, let's say uh, trying to um, uh, uh, use a complex digital platform, right? Whether we're talking about a platform for streaming or or something that let's say takes up a lot of bandwidth, but Mm -hmm. you got a bunch of old clunky, you know, um, computers from 2010 and 2012, but you think they're going to be able to, you know, do, uh, you know, be um, good enough, right? And and have enough power to be able to do these new capabilities. Well, you need to examine and look at all of those things, you know, all of those things as as well.
0: Yeah, I almost like when you said these old clunky, like immediately my mind thought you were going to say like a person, but you're talking about the technology because the competence needs to be there from the technology and the person that's working on it.
1: That's right. That's right. And and I found that, you know, there's no shortage, especially in the tech industry. There is no shortage of brilliant people. Like literally, I mean, you can turn your head to the left and right and there's all kind of super smart people. But we have to make sure that, you know, all those other pieces are in place because you can have super smart people. You can have great, you know, Um, jazzy, up to the, you know, cutting edge systems. You can have the time and the space to work on stuff, a coalition of people, a good culture. And with all of that, though, you know, you have to really get down to being convicted in your mindset and say, this is a change that we know we need. Hmm. So whether we're talking about changes relating to something like, you know, um, increasing equity, you know, among um, pay equity, right? Um, Among women in the workforce, especially in, in, in technology or whether we're talking about you know um, uh, switching over you know our our cloud um, provider, it doesn't matter what type of change you're trying to implement. You still need the same principles, right? And and when you get to that point where you put the 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 um you know all the dots in the row, right, to make things happen, then you have to really. Pull out that courage and say, "Okay, now I want to, you know, we're going to go forward and make this happen because change is scary, right, Neil? And you could think of all types of changes that that cause people anxiety and fear going to a new school, moving, starting a new job, getting a new manager, becoming a new manager, getting a new computer. Right. I was on the phone um, on a call this morning um, with um, one of my clients who she just got a new computer two weeks ago and it's randomly restarting, Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: without even giving enough like warnings. It's like 60 seconds and it's shutting down. Right. And so think about the productivity she's losing. Right. Because this brand new computer is just randomly shutting down and she can't figure out, right, what are the settings or what is happening so that she can stop it. And so these are all things that, you know, unfortunately happen. Right. But they cause that anxiety. They cause fear. But it's just really important to say, hey, I'm going to have the right attitude and that attitude is going to help me approach it in a way that is going to be helpful and beneficial.
0: Wow. When I look at this list of all these these C's to pull into things, like I get overwhelmed when I think about like if I want to introduce a new tool on my team or I want us to, to make a change in, in behavior. It almost seems like all right man, this is going to be overkill to try to get all these done. But when I look at all of them, it's like, what do you leave out? Like you got to have them all right. Or else you're kind of setting yourself up for failure.
1: You are. And the thing is, they're not compli- complicated. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about a culture. Right. So, you know, you, you set that up. You can have an intentional culture. So, you know, I, I started a startup. Right. So I'm really focused on, you know, what kind of company do I want to be? Right. And I want to, you know, first and foremost, protect people's privacy and be, you know, making sure that I'm protecting data. Right. Um, Because we know like, that's a a concern right now, um, especially in the technology industry. Right. And we have a lot of breaches and we see things happening all the time. Mm -hmm. Integrity. That's another, you know, um, thing that I'm building within my within my within my culture. Right. And so you can have a company culture and then work on. Different characteristics and components of that culture that you want to bring forth. But think about it from the standpoint of you want to have a change capable culture. Mm. You want to have a nimble, flexible culture because when you do get a pandemic, when you do get some kind of crazy outage, when you do get, you know, civil unrest or, God forbid, a, you know, tsunami or something, you will be much more equipped to handle a disruption, right? If you're yes. already change capable.
0: Yeah, I love that point so much. It's like, if you try to start all this stuff because you're doing a new tech adoption, like you're late to the game. Like you should have been doing this a long time ago and building this culture where you you do have everyone, you have a coalition around people, you know who you can depend on, you know who's gonna be using this. You do have people who have the capacity to do that work. You've built in extra time in their schedules. You know who's there you build up competence, you've built up conviction, and you're not really adopting new, new tools until everyone realizes we got to have this. And, and there, that's all that there. Yep. You
1: got it. You got it. And then, you know, that last piece, you know, like, so once you, you have that and you, and and as that leader, regardless of what you're leading, what you're doing, right, you could think about it in the context of a, of a family. You could think about it in the context of a, a community group. You can think about it as a team or a company. It went, you know, being courageous enough to go for it mm. for the things that you you know and change because it's scary. It's that thing that sometimes makes people hesitant about whether or not they really want to pull the trigger and make it happen. So you know, in technology, right when we when we are going to implement something new, right, we have a, a no a go no go discussion, right? Sure. Like, okay, are we going to do it or not? So that's that point, right between you know, courage and making that decision and then being committed. Right. So mm-hmm. after when we go through that, no, no go conversation and we say, okay, we're going, that's the commitment. And that's that final C that helps to drive the certainty of change. Yeah. Right. And so that's why certainty is, is, you know, one of the the core values of my company. And then how do you help to ensure certainty is you put things in place and you also have Neil, measurable, meaningful metrics, okay, that are really gonna help you to see if you've made progress, how how much progress, how much more room you have to grow, and then how do you think about it from a sustainability and then an improvement um, standpoint afterwards. And so, you know, all of those pieces coming together That is really the thing that's going to help to drive change. And the reason I call my company Radical Change is because, you know, that doesn't seem that hard, right? It doesn't seem that complicated, but it's radical from the standpoint of how we're approaching it now, Mm -hmm. right? Because the way we approach it now is we need to make a change. We're going to do this thing. We're going to get some communications out. Oh, it's so simple. Everybody could use it. It's an intuitive app. It's an intuitive process. Well, guess what? Nothing is is intuitive as people think, because we don't even have enough people when we go to bring something new to market to test it, right? Mm -hmm. Enough people to test out the design, to test out the usability. Because if that was the case, then every product would be used by 100% of the targeted consumers, right? And we know that that doesn't happen.
0: (laughs) And I love that too, the commitment part of it, because it is gonna be rocky. Like you are gonna run into problems whether it's the product itself or how you're using it, like something's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to get upset. But having that commitment ahead of time saying like, we all know this is not going to be perfect. So at when those rocky times come, when that turbulence comes, we know how to respond. We're still committed to this. We're not just going to back out of it. Yeah. I am both excited and overwhelmed thinking about what it requires to do change. So let's just put this in context. A lot of people that I talk to, they're in the middle of this transition to hybrid work, right? And maybe they're sending out those emails to say, hey, the office is open if you want to come. And they're not seeing a lot of people come back. Some people are coming back that are really committed and enjoying that. But a lot of people are saying, "Uh, maybe not either they're waiting for longer or they just really enjoy the flexibility they have right now. So as they're in that situation, I feel like many people are going to be experiencing these same things where they're like, okay, well, we need to find some permanent solutions to having this hybrid workforce. We're going to have to transition a lot of our headquarters from a physical location to a digital location. And it's going to take a lot of work to be able to do this. And like you said, on one hand, one person who's been researching may seem, hey, it's easy. Everyone just put all your chat stuff here. Everyone put all your decision stuff here. Everyone do all your meetings here. Like it'll be easy. But that's really the case, right? You, you got to be, you got to plan for it and you got to have somebody helping you think about it too.
1: Yeah, it's never the case that it's that that simple, Um, because what happens is people get busy, right? Even when you think about your own life and things that you need to do every day. So, you know, my advice, you know, for any change, especially now, right, as we're looking at, you know, all the shifts that are going to be happening in a digital, you know, in in this new digital hybrid of a workplace. First and foremost um, is my advice is to assess Right. Um, you're you're audiences and the stakeholders that you're talking about and then really listen to them, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of the, the things, um, it's been all in the, you know, the nerd news, <laughs> the tech news, right? The last couple of weeks, right? Is, you know, there was all this study done about people who want to come back to the, to the office and people who don't, right? There's a lot of conversation, especially around women and, you know, Black and brown women who, you know, and Black people who don't want to come back to the office because they feel like, you know, um, there, there's less, uh, it's, it's, it's less harmful, right? And so they've done all these studies and surveys about who wants to come back and don't, and something like 60% people don't want to come back to the office. And now, right, companies are shifting from making these broad scale announcements that everyone has to come back by this time. So when companies make the broad announcements about, it, you know, they want employees to come back to work, my advice is first and foremost is that they, assess the actual sentiment and the situation and do it in a deep way so they can find out, you know, if we go ahead and do this, right, um, how are people going to feel about it? Because what we learned is that from all of the information that had already been gathered, right? Mm. Employees, especially in big tech, they are—they said they didn't want to come back to the office, but, empl- but companies said you have to come back. Now, because of pushback, now they're having to backtrack on those decisions and say, okay, well, we're going to give you a choice. Well, from the very onset, they could have avoided all of that, saved all that time, money, negative press by doing some assessments. And that goes back to what I said to you about, you know, certainty, right? You can be more certain about the success and the outcomes of your change effort, but you need to put some things in place and you need to assess some things. You need to assess that capacity. So if you would have did, if they would have, you know, did some deeper dives to determine what does that really look like, And then start to think about it, have a coalition of different people who can bring different perspectives, right, to the table to help make a better decision going forward. So it's really, Neil, about, you know, listening, um, getting the information to make the, the right decisions, but really setting up yourself for success by putting, you know, those things in place.
0: Wow. So much to think about. Vonda, this has been amazing. And this is definitely not the last time we're going to reach out to you to kind of hear what's going on, because everyone's going to be in the middle of this for the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years. So forever. <laughs> <laughs> we got our work cut out for us. Tell people where they can go to get in touch with you and learn more about your stuff.
1: Absolutely. So people can um, go to my company website, which is Radical Change. LLC.com, um, or they can go to Vondapage.com. They can um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Vondapage03. And, um, you know, I am available to help people understand more about how to lead change.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. I'm going to do some background research because I really don't believe you that you were uh, starting your career in 1984. That just seems a little old.
1: Absolutely, 10th grade. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, you got too much energy to, to be like that. So I appreciate you coming on. You, you've, done, you've done awesome work and helping us think about change. And we look forward to talking with you again.
1: Thank you. It was a great conversation and I'm looking forward to Take care, Neil.
0: This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you it. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.